Welcome to Unwanted Guests, the podcast that teaches you about insects and other pests that may join you in and around your home. It's brought to you by Texas A&M AgriLife Extension and the Texas A&M Department of Entomology. We're your hosts, Wizzy Brown, Robert Puckett, Molly Keck, and Janet Hurley. This episode of Unwanted Guests, we're going to be talking about carpenter ants. So Jana, I'm going to start with you. What do carpenter ants look like? How can people tell a carpenter ant from other types of ants? The most obvious I would say is size, because generally with carpenter ants, you can see them with your naked eye. I mean, some of our ant species are really, really small. Generally, um, the ones that I most frequently see are two-toned but they can also be black or they can be brown. Long antennas, um, kind of a pinched waist. Other than that, folks, you'd have to get a microscope to look at everything else. But the one thing I will say is you can see they are bigger than um, most of your ants that you see around the garden. You'll notice this one, he's big or she's big. And These are like regular ants. Our workers are going to be one size. Well, in this case, they're going to be all one size because these are going to have the same size workers for the species. And then the reproductives or the swarmers or queens are going to be larger. So these are a larger kind of ant swarmer that we see in here. And I do want to mention, because I get this all the time, These come in a variety of colors. Like Janet said, there are some that are a reddish brown. There are some that are black. There are some that a combination of the two. We also have yellow carpenter ants in Texas because I get those sent to me all the time. And I tell people that they're a carpenter ant and they don't believe me Mm -hmm. because they're not the right color. Well, guess what people you can't go by color. They try to do that all the time. All right. So carpenter ants are known as a wood destroying insect. If you are selling something, doing a real estate transaction of some sort, these are known as what we call a wood destroying insect or a WDI. The thing is these differ from termites in that they do not eat wood. They will excavate the wood and they live in the wood but they are not eating the wood. And then as far as the wood that they generally attack, it's not wood that is structurally sound. It's typically wood that is damaged in some way, whether that's from water damage, fungal damage, termite damage previously, there's something there that they are finding that they're deciding that, that, hey, this is a good place to make our nest. And I personally am completely entranced and I'm going to say enchanted by their nest. If you actually see a cutaway of wood of a carpenter ant nest, their galleries are so smooth and so clean. And it's just fascinating that it is so I don't know, perfectly lovely in there. It's just, it's wonderful. So 
when we're dealing with them, Robert, I'm going to turn to you. When are carpenter ants a problem? Is this a problem if we're finding them in the yard? Is this a problem if we're finding them on a structure? Where do people need to be concerned and where can they find them in those locations? Yeah, so um, yeah, I wouldn't think of a, a nest of carpenter ants like out in my lawn somewhere. Let's say there was a tree stump or something or, or dead portion of a tree that, in which they were nesting. Um, this is not necessarily a problem. However, um, you know, you could think of this as a, con a condition that's conducive to your house eventually becoming infested. Um, so you kind of have to make that decision for yourself. Or how, how, you know, how, how comfortable are you with these guys that are known to be wood destroying insects in close proximity to your house? Um, and then, you know, I think you asked, well, is it a problem if you see carpenter ants, um, you know, foraging around on, on your on your house or structure. Well, not necessarily, right? So they 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 their their workers are out foraging and um, looking for food resources for the colony. And just because you see one climbing on your house doesn't necessarily mean that your house is invested. Um, now, if you find a strong trail on your house of of carpenter ants that seem to be climbing up a wall and then going into a, I don't know, a space around some conduit that um, exits the, the house, or you see them, you know, climbing underneath siding in a trail. Well, this is an indication that you might be dealing with an infestation um, to some portion of your, of your house, at which time this isn't, this isn't, we did a recent podcast about Formosan subterranean termites and, and uh, we talked about those insects as being one that you, you really want to, uh, if you don't have any experience with them, you want to hire a professional who does uh, to come in and at least provide an inspection of your home. And I think that's the case with carpenter ants as well. I mean, I, I, I tell people, look, if you believe that you've got a carpenter ant infestation, at least, at least reach out to professional pest control, let them come over, uh, make an inspection, try to figure out where they are and then let them provide you a bid for the work. You might find that, um, you know, allowing them to solve it is, is more cost effective uh, than you doing it yourself because of the cost of materials and application equipment and uh, just the general gaps in the knowledge of folks who don't have any experience sort of doing that work, trying to solve a, a carpenter amp problem. But yeah, I think, I think the big message here is that just because you find some carpenter ants in the near vicinity of your home, like on your, uh, in your yard, does not necessarily mean that it's time to uh, think about treating for them, unless you just don't like the idea of them being close to your house. I usually go by, that's one of those, I delve in deeper for questions, because mm -hmm. if people are telling me that they have them in their yard, I typically ask, okay, where are they in the yard? Is it a tree stump that's, you know, in the back part of the yard? Or is it a fence that is actually right up against the house and kind of attached to it? Yeah, I if one. that is going to really make a difference as to where I treat. But the good thing I find when carpenter ants are in a yard versus a structure a lot of times it's a lot easier to remove the colony physically because you can get rid of the tree stump that's in the yard that they're nesting in, or you can get rid of and replace that rotting fence board that they may be in or the dead tree limb or whatever. 
So that is a possibility. When you're dealing with structures, that is a little bit more difficult based upon where they may be. Because if they're in a stud that's in a wall void, are you going to open up the wall void <laughs> to actually you know, replace the stud that's in there that they are nesting in? Mm. I don't know. That might be more feasible of an option if you were planning on remodeling already. I don't know. Again, those are the choices that you can kind of make. My next question is going to be, how can one, if they are choosing to do this themselves, how can they locate a carpenter ant nest or what are some signs of having a carpenter ant infestation? Or again, if they contact a pest management professional, what should they expect that pest management professional to do to locate the nest? How do they go about doing that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting question. I mean, I'm, I'm, sh I'm sure that in, in the industry, different companies have different approaches. But as Janet mentioned earlier, I mean, these are um, fairly sizable insects, you know, and and that allows, you know, any of us to, to simply trail them back to their colony. If you find them foraging, I, it's funny you asked this because I was just telling a story to um, some of the students in the lab this morning. We, uh, we used to have a, 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 a carpenter ant colony that we could routinely collect insects from if we needed them for laboratory trials. And it was actually my daughter when she was like eight years old that discovered them. We were at a park and she saw a really big carpenter ant. And next thing I knew, she, I saw her kind of back in the woods. And so I walked back there to see what's going on. And she was following this ant. So I thought, well, this would be fun. So we just kept walking behind it. And eventually there were more. And eventually um, we located their nest in a, in a um, old oak snag in the, in, back in the forest, uh, just by trailing them, just by following them. You know, we, we found their nest that way. So that's one way for sure. Um, you have some ideas, Lizzie? The other one that I often get, especially when they're in structures, is the frass piles. So oh, the frass of carpenter ants is very distinct, and you can actually identify the ants by the frass because it is, to me, it's a mixture of sawdust kind of fiber, wood fiber, because think about them chewing off this wood fiber to excavate their nest and then that's mixed with almost like sand material. And then you also have bits of insects because they're going to be throwing out, you know, dead bodies and whatnot, because they, they don't want the garbage in their nests. Like I said, their nests are amazing. They're clean. They're lovely. I absolutely love them. But a lot of times people will find these frass piles, you know, underneath a windowsill or, you know, someplace in their house. And they'll send it to me and I identify it as carpenter ant frass. And then I will essentially tell them, okay, now that you have cleaned that up, give it a few days up to a week and see if it reappears. And if you have that continually coming back in that area, you have a carpenter ant nest somewhere in that area, because essentially what they're doing is they have these little kick out holes and they're chunking their garbage out. So that is essentially their garbage pile, which is kind of cool in my opinion, but they are going to have that there and that's going to kind of direct you to where that nest is. So if it's underneath that windowsill, it's going to be somewhere in that area and it's going to allow you 
to narrow down where you need to focus that treatment. The other thing that I typically have experienced, and you guys may completely have a different experience with this, is that carpenter ants, in my opinion, tend to forage more actively in the evening. So that tends to be a better time to go looking for them. A lot of times people will try to look for them in the middle of the day when it's really hot and they tend not to be as active then. So I usually try to follow them in the evening time. Yeah. Hey, uh, as you mentioned, um, you know, sort of following up on your comment just now, uh, I mentioned earlier, you can, you know, you can trail ants like out in your yard and maybe determine where they're nesting if they're not in the structure. But sometimes they, if they're foraging on the exterior of a structure, it can fool you in thinking, like if you, if you follow a trail of carpenter ants and they um, enter and exit from one area on the exterior of the house, that's not always indicative of where, where they're nesting, you know, in the interior. I've seen lots of situations where you know, you got two-story house, for instance, ants are foraging up the wall and then, um, you know, they, they, you lose sight of them under siding on maybe the east side of the house, but then we find the nest on the west side of the house. So they were, they've formed a trail um, along the structural wood on the interior of the home where you can't see them and they're forward or, or they're trailing all the way to the other side of the house. So, so just because you kind of have a feel for where they're going in and exiting the house, that doesn't necessarily indicate wh where they're nesting in the structure. Another reason um, to consult with a professional. The other thing, because I have these ants trailing up my house all the time. <laughs> mm. I get the question of baby carpenter okay. ants. Baby carpenter ants are larvae. They are little white rice looking things that you typically don't see unless you break open the colony and find where they're nesting themselves. The ants that are smaller than carpenter ants and kind of look similar if you either use your imagination or you don't know a lot about ant identification, those are a completely different type of ant known as acrobat ants. And they are going to be a reddish brown on the head and thorax, and then kind of a bluish black on the tip of the abdomen. And the thing is, they often get mistaken for carpenter ants because they typically nest in certain areas that carpenter ants commonly nest. So I think a lot of people get that confused. You know, it's funny you say that. There has never been a chance that I've confused only because those acrobat ants have that heart-shaped butt. And then they walk around and do their walk on my, my front and throw my butt up. And the reason I say that is that I watch them all the time on my fence. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I find them very interesting. They got the best generic name ever. Mm -hmm. Acrobats. They're adorable. They are pretty charismatic ants, and they're not a structure-damaging ant either. A lot of people have the, they're cavity nesters. Um, so if they find a cavity in wood um, that was either created by some other insect or some defects in the wood, they're happy to live there. But they're, they're not a, um, a structurally important insect pest. Yeah, the ones that I found trailing up 
the side of my house several years ago. This was years ago. Um, they were going up the structure to the second floor and in through the window, there was like a little space, of course, and they were trailing down in my son's room because he had been eating candy in his room behind mm -hmm. his bed by the window, even though he's not allowed to have food in his room. He got busted because he, <laughs> he finally came to me and he was just like, mom, there are these ants all over in my room. What is going on? So I went up looking and we explained the whole thing. And I told him they're coming in for this candy. This is why you're not allowed to have food in your room. So you need to clean all of this up and the ants are going to go away. So once that occurred, it was fine. And he does not have food in his room anymore. I think he <laughs> hopefully learned his lesson, yeah. but I digress. All right. So on to, uh, or back to carpenter ants. So what are the treatment options for carpenter ants? Well, there's like, like with most, uh, most of our insect pests, there's a pretty wide variety of formulations of insecticides that are used for these guys. Um, a lot of times you'll find these um, nesting in attic spaces. So a lot of companies will make use of insecticidal dusts. Um, there's our residual insecticides that you know you can treat the exterior of our structure with so that the ants have to crawl across it. And then baits. Um, there's a variety of granular baits on the market for carpenter ants, um, all of which will impact um, colonies of these ants. But, but again, you know, you, you, you really have to have a sense of where they are, where they're nesting, um, and then access to those products too, which not everybody does, right? So this is another reason to think about maybe having a, a pest management professional at least provide an inspection and provide a bid for the, the uh, remediation of the, of the infestation. Um, because I think most folks at that point, they realize that the cost of, cost of treatment is pretty similar to what they'll spend on products. And, you know, why not just spend that on a professional coming in who's going to give you a warranty afterwards? Um, baits, baits can become very important too, because, you know, one thing we haven't talked about is that um, carpenter ants tend to form satellite colonies. Um, so you might have a variety of different nesting sites um, that are all related by colony. And so, you know, maybe even if you haven't identified, let's imagine you've identified one area where these guys are active or maybe actively nesting, um, you don't always know that there's not satellite colonies around. So that's why, you know, if you if you were to broadcast carpenter ant baits into the environment near your home, that's likely that you'll impact those satellite colonies as well. Can you explain to our listeners what a satellite colony is? Yeah, so, so uh, just think of it as an alternative nesting site away from the main nest where maybe the queen um, is housed and um, you know so so workers that are isolated by some distance from the main colony um, but but still with nesting areas and galleries and wood um, think of it as just a sub colony so it's it's all one big colony but the mm -hmm. satellites are kind of subsets it, it would be right. like um I don't know if you had a, a big campground as your main colony and then your specific campsites are your satellites. Yeah, spoken yeah. wheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good analogy. 
And then the other thing I want to make sure that we tell people with carpenter ant baits, they do have specific baits for carpenter ants. They are different from our fire ant baits and the gel and liquid baits that we have. They are formulated to be attractive to carpenter ants. And so they tend to be on a different matrix and it has a different attractant. So anytime that you are using a bait, you are going to be attracting the insect to that. They're picking it up as a food resource. And then they are essentially taking that back and sharing it with others in the colony as a food. So you don't want to contaminate the bait if you're using more than one type of treatment, if you're using baits and a residual dust or a residual spray, you don't want to put those in the same area. And we do have a specific podcast that we did that talks specifically about baits. The whole entire thing is telling you all about baits and, you know, kind of what that means when you're dealing with a bait. You know, Wizzy, um, you're exactly right. And, and but one of, one of your comments made me think of um, something to add to that. I think for most of us that have experience with these matters, when we say that a bait is attractive to a species of pest insect, I think we take that to mean that they're attractive from short distances. But I think sometimes when folks that don't have this sort of experience here that we're attracting <laughs> an insect to a bait, they worry that, you know, like, well, if I put out baits for They're termites, coming I'm from miles around. Yeah. yeah, no, no, but yeah, exactly. They're not coming from outside of your county to find your baits that you put out. These are baits that we're, we've made the assessment that the insect is there. Now we're going to offer a bait in their vicinity and they're going to take it. Not, not ants from down the street, you know, is the idea. So you're not actually, these will not attract new carpenter ants to your to your home or, or to your near home environment. That is an excellent point that- I, I hear this all the time, people concern themselves with this. And this is one of those things we, it's hard for us to think of these things a lot of times because it just doesn't even cross our mind because mm -hmm. we know how it works. So it's a little bit different. All right, anything on carpenter ants that we forgot? Well, you you hinted on it actually, um, uh, talking about your uh, your appreciation for their galleries. I mean, in the end, these are really cool animals. Um, they really are. You don't want them foraging in your house or building galleries in your house, but you know, if they're out in your yard, they're actually pretty cool to to observe and, and think about. They're very 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 sophisticated um, social insects. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Unwanted Guests in regards to carpenter ants. These are fascinating social insects, but they can become an issue if they are in your structure, if you are trying to sell it. So please let us know if you have questions or you need something identified. As always, you can find more information at extensionentomology.tamu.edu. The other thing I do want to mention before we sign off is that we are going to be moving our podcast to a monthly basis. So starting in June of 2022, we will release one episode per month. So we will still be here. 
offering you information on insects that you find in structures as well as other pests that are in structures. So um, please continue to tune in and again, contact us if you have any questions. Thank you so much for listening to this episode.